0: Hi, this is Dr. Daniel, and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniel. It is Monday, November 6, 2017, and the end of the year is rapidly coming. Well, today's topic is pre-disease. Yes, pre-disease. You don't have it yet, but you're going to get it. Now, this is an amazing uh, topic. I'm almost embarrassed to even have to talk about it. But I'm getting a lot of emails lately from people who have pre-disease. Yes, pre-disease. So let's take a look at this and try to get a uh, you know get a, get a grip on uh, you know what's going on. There's a lot of different um, information out there about this. <clears throat> And this, uh, I think, sums it up. And this is a pretty, uh, actually, pro-medicine viewpoint. This is from the National um, Library of Medicine. And um, it says, the title, I think, really says it all, When Does Pre-Disease Make Sense? Wait a minute. When you say when does pre-disease make sense, that presumes that there are times substantial times when it makes no sense at all. And so just by verifying it or even um, discussing it, the medical industrial complex itself says that it makes no sense. This is from the Epidemiology Review in 2011. And so it says screening, this is the doctors talking, this is the doctors talking, screening often leads to finding conditions that are not at a stage of disease but can't exactly call a person disease-free. These in-between states have sometimes been designated as pre-disease cells. So let's say that uh, you live in a place called Chicago. Chicago is between Los Angeles and New York does it mean that you will ever go to Los Angeles or New York? I'll answer the question for you. No, it does not. The fact that you're in between two measures, however you want to measure that, doesn't mean that you will ever reach or go to either one of the things that you're in between. For example, if a person is 5 foot 5 inches tall, they are in between five feet tall and six feet tall. This does not mean they will ever, at any point in their life, be either five feet or six feet. This is an important thing to to really, really just kind of grasp from an understanding comprehension point of view. So because you're in between two things, does not mean that you will ever attain or become either one of those two things. Okay. And so examples include, they give me a list, precancerous lesions. Now, precancerous lesions are really uh, an amazing thing. So, in order to understand this, you need to understand that all people who are diagnosed. Will say accused of actually having cancer. Eighty percent never die of the disease. Of the people living on this earth, approximately not on Earth in the United States, approximately twenty-five percent more or less die of cancer. So what this means is. If you are diagnosed with cancer, you are actually less likely to die of cancer than, say, an undiagnosed person or just a random person at large. To make it even more uh, astounding, if you have a precancerous condition, your chances of ever getting cancer are actually less than 20%. In other words, if you have a precancerous condition, your chances of dying of cancer are ultimately less than the random person at large. So 25% of all people, just pull on a hat, are going to die of cancer. And a person with a precancerous condition is even less likely to die of cancer than a random person in the population. Then the process of labeling something or someone as precancerous actually is selecting or biasing towards labeling people who are healthy and will never sustain or succumb to that disease. Again, not my numbers, their numbers. Okay. So I and mean, this is this is, you know, Medical industrial complex. Now, let me just run down a list of preconditions. This is what they are designating: oh, Pre-cancer, got that. Pre-glaucoma, pre-diabetes, pre-hypertension. And these are just a few. They now have pre-osteoporosis, just in case you're interested. And so these conditions, Well, let's see what what this particular article says. And this this is the thing that's bias in favor of the industry. When the goal of preventing adverse health outcomes is kept in mind, this review poses the idea that pre-disease as a category on which to act makes sense only if the following three conditions are met. So they're actually saying that, well, okay, you got got something called pre-disease which is absolutely absurd and preposterous unless, or you can say uh, fraudulent quackery, unless three conditions are met. And uh, that's nice. So first, the people designated as having pre-disease must be far more likely to develop the disease than those who are not so labeled. Number two. There must be a feasible intervention that, when targeted to people with pre-disease, effectively reduces the likelihood of developing disease. That's an interesting concept. So the feasible intervention, okay. Third, the benefits of intervening on pre-disease must outweigh the harm in the population. Now, this. so to these conditions I'll tell you right off the bat, I don't agree with them. But it's shocking that they are even putting restrictions on pre-disease. And so when the, inter- when the industrial medical complex itself says, whoa, I think we've gone too far, I think we've gone too far, I think that is the time when <laughs> it's a kind of a red light or a flashing light, should be, to the potential victim of this uh, scheme, which would be the patient, or even better, the prospective patient. And so this is their three criteria, which I think are absolutely flimsy, totally flimsy. And so let's take a look at these criteria. And a lot of times the medical industrial complex will do this. They'll say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to put standards in place. We're going to put standards in place. We're going we're gonna, to uh, improve this. We're going we're gonna to make it better. And actually what they do really is open the uh, henhouse to the foxes. So first, people designated as having the pre-disease must be more likely to develop the disease than those not designated. Okay, so let's just scrap that. So people designated as having pre-disease must be far more likely to die from the disease than those not so designated. So in other words, if, if of people uh, diagnosed with cancer, we'll call it cancer, never die of it. Never die of it. Then how can you justify even looking at pre-cancer? Because in your cancer diagnosis, you've already got a bunch of people who are less likely to die of the disease than a random person in the population. So that being the case, it makes no sense to diagnose cancer. None whatever. Because the diagnosis of cancer itself does not confer an increased probability of cancerous death above and beyond what a random undiagnosed person would have. Okay, so if someone's diagnosed as pre-disease, or pre-cancer, then they may be more likely than the average person to get that label of cancer. But if the label of cancer itself does not predispose to increased death from that cause, then the actual cancer label is, is uh, misleading. Just be polite about it. Okay, so the first criteria is, uh, is, is, is not a reasonable consideration when you take a look at the actual disease uh, classification. And the same, by the way, with hypertension. So with hypertension, you need to literally treat a hundred people for one year or one person for a hundred years before you prevent one heart attack, and that heart attack you prevent may not even be a deadly one. So again, if the disease itself is treating the disease itself is of limited, questionable or no value to the human being, then how can the designation of pre-disease possibly be helpful? In diabetes, if you are labeled as having diabetes and you submit to therapy from your doctor for type 2 diabetes, your chances of dying are increased by 30%. So then, if the therapy that that is offered for the disease actually increases a person's chance of death, then how can you justify creating a pre-disease category where the damaging therapy will simply start earlier or the ineffective therapy will start earlier. Okay, so there must be a feasible intervention that when targeted to people with pre-disease effectively reduces the likelihood of developing disease. So at, at this point in time, for, certainly for pre-diabetes, There's no such medical intervention. There's no such medical intervention. Now, there was recently a medical trial done by a drug company to suggest that its drug was helpful, but the FDA has not approved that for that use. All right, so criteria one is is this um, very loose. Criteria two... is basically usually ignored. And criteria three, the benefits of intervening on pre disease must outweigh the harms in the population. Now what is the harms in the population? So I imagine that must mean that the benefit of intervening for pre disease must outweigh the harm done to those who would never have gotten disease. So those the harm done to the healthy. So since pre-disease state is a state of not having disease, any harm is going to be, is never going to be outweighed by benefit because these people are healthy. So we have here a very nice article with three criteria, everything appearing to be, you know, on the up and up. But basically these three criteria offer no protection to a healthy person caught up in the pre-disease net. Okay, and so I mentioned, of course, cervical cancer, glaucoma, diabetes, and hypertension. So there you have it. And that actually is the most positive, positive discussion of it. And we have this um, magazine, The Atlantic. My mother used to get The Atlantic when we were kids. It says, The Preposterous Epidemic of Pre-Diseases. And again, the title speaks for itself. And so it says, If you're on the verge of developing diabetes, you're pre-diabetic. You've got pre-hypertension if you're about to be diagnosed with high blood pressure, pre-anxiety before getting anxiety, and pre-dementia, yeah, that's my favorite, before dementia. And they go on to talk about how frightening the real uh, labels are. So what's with our fixation on inventing new diagnoses by fragmenting old ones? Now, this is, uh, they're not fragmenting an old disease. No, 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 no. They're creating a whole new disease. So it's not like you're taking someone with diabetes and saying, oh, you're pre-diabetic and you're post-diabetic and you're in the middle of diabetes. No, 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 no. What they're saying is we have these group of people who are diabetic. Let's expand that tenfold by adding on a definition for pre-diabetes. Okay, and so this this is The Atlantic, The Thinking People's Magazine. It says, in fact, over 100,000 people die every year due to complications associated with medical treatments. According to Ivan Aransky, this is the executive editor of Reuters Health. Now, that real number, of course, is well over 800,000. And so this person is doing some serious damage control by confessing to even 100,000. Nevertheless, would you submit to something that has the kills 100,000 Americans a year? I mean, we've got a morphine epidemic, I understand. It's only killing 65,000 Americans a year. And uh, people out there are saying it's a bad thing. Does it kill 65,000 Americans a year? I'm not going to question that. I'll accept that. So if a a morphine slash heroin narcotic epidemic is killing 65,000 people a year, why would people rush to submit to pre-disease diagnosis when diseased people are being killed by the medical system at a rate far in excess of 100,000 a year? I don't know. However, if you're going to take a look at, at, at serious at, at hazards and what's going on here, if you're trying to avoid something that kills 65,000 people, and why not? Uh, call it heroin. Wouldn't you want to avoid something that kills, say, 100,000 or 800,000 people? Now, a lot of people like to avoid car accidents. Car accidents only kill over 45,000 Americans a year. And people actually try to avoid car accidents. Can you imagine? But a system that's killing over 800,000 people a year, we'll call it a, med- or a meat grinder that grinds up human beings, um, the medical industrial complex, no one wants to avoid it. We're like, hey, I want medical care. I deserve medical care. I even want someone else to pay for it. Shocking. So pre-disease, what it does is it accelerates people's entry into this meat grinder known as the medical industrial complex. And so this, this author of The Atlantic says, As of many of the challenges facing the country's healthcare system, the profit motive, oh my God, has a large role to play in worsening the pre-diagnosis epidemic. Making treatments available for pre-conditions does little more than enable more frequent diagnosis of illnesses. It It actually creates greater demand in a weird kind of feedback loop because people want to believe that every medical ailment has a ready medical solution. Now, Here's the crux of the matter. Most medical ailments do not have a ready medical solution. They have a ready medical intervention, but it's not a solution. It is not going to provide relief. So this Dr. Iransky guy says, I have another name for these preconditions. I call them preposterous. His words, not mine. And um, in many cases, he said over-medicalization may be counterproductive. Instead of developing developing better lifestyle habits, patients go on to doctors seeking drugs, which are provided by pharmaceutical companies, aiming to sell as many pills as possible. Now, you cannot let people off the hook for uh, succumbing to this uh, propaganda. One can only hope that they are simply aware of it. And so people who, you know, we, we, all you can do is, is handle this, this one problem, one uh, situation at a time, which is your situation, uh, and how are you going to respond to this. And here's Consumer Reports, uh, the, reasoning, uh, the reasonable uh, publication for those who want someone else to do their thinking for them. And so Consumer Reports says pre-disease diagnosis is a warning to act but no reason to panic, okay? Act, but don't panic. And when you act, which role should you play? Which script should you read? Hmm. So it's important to act, but don't overact to your doctor when he says you're at pre-disease days for hypertension, osteoporosis, or another condition. It doesn't mean you have to succumb to a cycle of worry and, listen, rush to get additional tests and treatment. So just because your doctor says you have this situation, which is pre-disease, you do not need to get tests and treatments. So that's in the first well, second sentence right off the bat. And so if it doesn't require a test or treatment, then what business is, business is it of your doctor? Does your doctor have any business um, informing you of a condition that does not require further testing or treatment of any kind? And the answer, of course, is, well, <clears throat> no. So pre-hypertension. And so they have this list of stuff. So, so what, what's going on here? So what's really going on here with this pre-di- pre-disease thing? I think it's really simple if I just tell this little joke. So this first lady says, you know what, um, I'm, I'm pre-diabetic. And the second lady says, I know what you mean. I'm pre-pregnant. I think I better get an abortion. And so this is, this is the absurdity of it, is people are being urged to treat a condition that they don't have. But they don't have. And so I say to anyone, if you have pre-disease, then just shrug your shoulders and say, ah, just as I thought, I'm healthy. And then go, and course, and live your life. We have 30 seconds left. So um, I think that that is really um, about it. As always, think happens and get your Candida cleaning report at vitalitycapsules.com. You don't have to suffer with Candida. That's for darn sure. So pre-disease, just shrug it off. And it's even worth a shoulder shrug. It's probably uh, a bit much. All right, awesome. See you next week.